Good morning. Our scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. This is the familiar text that we've been journeying through together. It's the prayer that the Lord taught us. And Jesus tells his disciples in verse 9, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And then from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, Paul writes these words. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And then from James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Let's pray for our pastor this morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to hear your word spoken to us. And we pray, Lord, for Pastor Mike, that as he comes, his words will be your words, Lord. That you would give him strength and give him wisdom and fill him with your spirit, Lord. May we hear what you would say to your church this morning, Lord, through Pastor Mike. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, it is a good morning, isn't it? Boy, I uh, came in this morning and saw the windows open and thought, what a great opportunity for Triple E or Triple C Engineering to come fix our air conditioning tomorrow. So we're grateful for that. I am looking forward to the... uh, Hell's Angels that are scheduled to ride by about the main point of my sermon here in a minute. Where, can he, where do you go, man? All right. We're going to get to him. All right. Uh, let's just hit it right where we start. Temptation is our reality. Amen? Man, I live with it every day. Oh, he's back. Hey, I wanted to tell you a story about Keith. Okay. Remember... Pastor Keith loves it. I mean, he loves our congregation, loves it. And you know how every time he's gone, he comes up here and he says, I've been gone. Have you missed me? Let me, let me just ask you. Pastor Keith was gone. Did you miss him? <laughs> Man, we love this guy, don't we? Yeah, you missed that last week. I said that every, every sermon you have has motorcycles in it. Every sermon I have has football in it. And this one's no different. So let's go. So, so um, temptation is our reality. It, it, is, it is where we live. And, I, you know, sometimes there's these really hard, hard, hard temptations that really challenge our spirit and soul. And then sometimes there's these little temptations that just kind of challenge a little bit about your, your will and your discipline. I had one of those on uh, Friday. You know, I usually go with Pastor Keith and the other Methodist preachers in town, 
uh, on Thursday morning to Wits End, and we have coffee there. And I'm there every Thursday morning, and, and you know they have the same stuff. Well, I didn't know that she changed what she served day to day. And I went in there Friday because I love their coffee. I couldn't be in there this Thursday. And I walked in there and I said, I got a cup of coffee and, and I looked down below me in the glass case and there are these monstrous, massive, super awesome looking cinnamon rolls. I mean, they're like the size of a head of lettuce, right? And I'm like, which fits me, okay? Let's be honest about it. And I'm like, that thing is awesome. She says, yeah. I said, when do you start making those? She says, I make them every Friday. I said, man, you know, and I hadn't eaten for like 15 minutes before I went there. <laughs> so I mean, I had my bowl of oatmeal and stuff. And I thought, well, I, I better not have one today. But someday I'm going to remember to come back and get one. And I, I got my coffee and the lady behind me said, well, they're really good. And then the lady behind the counter said, no, they're really good. And then the one behind them said, they're addicting. I said, look, I'm not trying to, you're not my friends. You're not helping me here. I don't want to have one. I want to have one, but I'm not supposed to have one. And they kept going on like that. Finally, I just ran for the door. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to succumb to that temptation, but it is around us. And I know that's a little thing, you know, kind of a fun little thing, but you've, you've had those kind of things around us all the time. But when we see, and we've been working through this prayer, probably as long as you've been going to church, yeah, we're doing a five or six week sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. But probably from the moment you first started attending Christian worship or, or something like that, one of the earliest things that you memorized is the Lord's Prayer. And when we say the Lord's Prayer in each of our services every single week, as far as I can, I can remember forward and, and backwards. And in the Lord's Prayer, we, we find the Lord Jesus ourself encouraging us to ask the Lord, uh, God the Father, to lead us not into temptation. That's one of the things we're supposed to play, pray regularly for, along with the forgiveness of our sins, along with our daily provision being granted to us, along with us seeking the kingdom. We are to pray, according to the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that we, that the Lord won't lead us into temptation and therefore we will not fall into temptation. So from this, we can see, from, from, from Jesus himself, we can see that the avoiding of temptations that avoiding temptations should be one of the primary concerns of the Christian life. Amen? It, I mean, it's all around us, so it should be one of our primary concerns. So the question is, then, let, let's, we're going to back up and look at this from a little high level first. The question is, why did Jesus Christ include in the prayer? Why did he instruct us to, prayer, to pray, lead us not into temptation, when God states that he does not tempt us? If God doesn't tempt us, why are we to pray that he won't lead us into temptation? Look what it said in, in the reading that, that, that um, Keith read from James a moment ago. It says, when we are tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Therefore, we know, you and I know, that it is not God that tempts us to sin. If he did, God himself would be acting contrary to his own nature. In, in 1 Peter it says, God's desire for us is this, that you are to be holy as I am holy. God is the holy God and his desire is for us to be like him. So God does not tempt anyone. And in fact, in the scriptures it says over and over, he tells us through the, through the Lord Jesus' words, through the Old Testament prophets and others, that we are to avoid temptation and avoid sin. Flee temptation. Avoid sin. And the Bible says, though, too, then this curious thing. In Matthew 4, it's also in Luke 4, 
the Spirit led Jesus away into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. Why? If God does not tempt, why does he allow Jesus to be tempted? Well, there's a couple reasons. First, and this is probably, to me, the most critical, our Lord Jesus Christ is relevant to our lives. His life has relevant to us. Indeed, he is fully God, and he's also fully human. So the Lord has feet that are on the ground, just like our feet are on the ground. So he could not truly be our Savior. He could not lead us away from that which we face unless he faced it himself. I mean, this is part of the biblical story, that Jesus came and faced all the kind of temptations that any man, because he was a man, that any man might face. He faced them and pushed them back. You know the story from Matthew 4, from Luke 4, the various temptations that are recorded there, but he was a man his whole life on earth. So he faced all the temptation to to give us an understanding that if he can do it, we can follow him, and we have opportunity as well. So the relevance of Jesus Christ is made through his facing of temptation in great measure to me. The second thing that we need to see here is why, does, why, why is there temptation in the earth? And that is simply the fact that, that God created everything that there is and set it free. We are not puppets on strings, nor is the creation, nor apparently is our air conditioner that does what God wants to do when it wants to do it. We are given opportunity to know the plan of God. We're given uh, you know, uh, a glimpse of, of eternity in our heart, but not so that we, we can grab it. So we have to act towards those things. So therefore, as the creation is free, those things that tempt you individually, because we're not tempted by the same thing. We know that, right? There's a lot of temptations. You know, cinnamon rolls, a lot of you guys could walk right by. Places, you know, things to say that I might want to say, you can walk right by. But there's some things that get you too, right? Because creation is free, and therefore we have our own inclinations. We have our own little piccadillies that that lead us to a certain place. Because of that, we see it all around. Temptation is our human reality. Temptation is our human reality. Now, a moment ago, Pastor Keith read a a third verse from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Okay? We're all part of that, humankind. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common, which is to say we all have it, to humankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he's going to provide you a way out so that you can endure that. See, temptation is common to humankind. Temptations happen to everyone. Don't think like you've been singled out. Don't say, why, God, are you putting these temptations on me? First of all, God's not. But why, God, are you letting them come? Because he's treating you the same as everyone. Because that's how we treat. That's how parents treat their children. Love them the same. So temptation falls upon you and, and, and me equally. But, but we say... Why us? Why these temptations on us? Well, the reality is, why temptation comes to you? Because you're you. That's why. God created you individually, uniquely, and specifically you. Therefore, there are individual, unique, and specific things that come to tempt you, that that, that can either draw you closer to him, to God, or, or draw you away. See, temptation does not come from God. Temptation comes from, I believe, one of two places. The evil desires within us, or the tempter, Satan, putting them in our mind. I I don't necessarily believe in those little guys, you know, the white guy and the red guy talking on your shoulder, telling you what to do. I mean, maybe. 
It's as good an image as any, but they're the evil desires that are put in our hearts by, by Satan that we, we don't defend, or the evil desires that are put in our own hearts that, that, that becomes an evil thought, that when we act on them, becomes sin. So temptation brews to thinking, thinking into action, and there's where you haven't avoided it. There's where you've fallen into sin. So God doesn't put these evil desires in our hearts because he doesn't have any desires, evil desires in his heart, but he does allow. He does. We have an allowing God. We have an allowing God that allows us to be who it is that we desire to be, and he hopes and prays as he watches us that we might become who he desires us to be. And as the scripture says, you will not be tested beyond what you can bear. Others have resisted temptation, and so can you. I remember when I was a freshman in high school, Les Dollinger was our high school football coach, and he took us down to the Marion High School field, down, down on Thomas Park, they call it now. And we were exercising, we were working out in what used to be a baseball field, now it's a bus parking lot or something like that. And then he said, we're going over to Suicide Hill. Now, if you're from Marion... Suicide Hill used to be this giant hill. Now they've put a, you know, a fence halfway down so it's, you know, don't fall down and scratch yourself hill. But it used to be called, you know, like Suicide Hill. And we'd go over there and run. And I know when Bob Murray, you know, he's a generation of football players at Marion High School ahead of me, he ran Suicide Hill, right? But as a freshman, you get over there and you run up that hill and then you come down, the sophomore goes up, you know, you're all bent over, <laughs> you know, dra- dragging air like this. And Coach Dollinger's just standing there. Of course, he's not running it. It's not that hard for him, you know. He's just hot a little bit, you know. He says, come on. It's not like you're the first ones to go up the hill. You know, he tied us to that lineage right then. This is part of what you do. Well, that's what God is saying to us in the scriptures. It's this Christian rah-rah where where Paul is saying, hey, come on. It's not like you're the first one that goes up the hill. It's not like you're the only one that's got temptation in your lives. Everybody to your left, right, front, back, they've got temptation. The people that have different look than you, that different languages than you, different skin color than you, they all got temptation because they're all common to, to, to mankind. So understand this, if they can resist it, you have the ability to as well. You're not the first one up the hill. Have heart, take heart, give strength. And, he says, because temptation, you're given a way out. You're given a way out in the midst of temptation. Temptation can be resisted because God will show you a way out. Now, I don't know how many of you had parents that were as, as strong and good as mine, but my parents used to always say this really simple thing. You are getting a tough situation, Mike. I don't care what it is. You call us and come, we'll come get you. You can tell your friends, doesn't matter what it is. Your parents don't want you to do it. I pass that on to my kids too. Of course, you know, I used to have to, you know, get a coin out of my, you know, put it in the pay phone kids are like, what is that? You know, now you just get a text and stuff like that. And kids can go home. You know, and I always told my children, hey, I don't care if your friends are all mad at me. I don't need a bunch of friends that are 15 anyway, you know. I love them. I'll lead them. But if they're mad at me, I'll get over it because my job is to protect you. You want to tell them about anything. You can't do it because your dad said so. You just tell them. I'll be the bad guy every time. I'm going to give you a way out. And this is what the Lord does to us all the time. He says, you need a way out, I'll give it to you. You can blame everything on me. I'll take you anywhere good. If it'll take you to the right place, if it'll take you away from temptation, you just say, the Lord doesn't want me to do it, and you go the other way. Okay? 
It's because temptation is out there all the time. The reality is for you and for me, even during the course of this time that I've been talking, innumerable opportunities for temptation have walked right into your mind. Have walked into every time a car goes by out there, every time something happens in here, some thought goes on, you are tempted to walk away from this talk and, and these sermons. We know that our lives are filled with innumerable temptations because that's what life is. It's a series of endless choices between disobedience and obedience, between, between belief and unbelief. Because temptation is our reality. And since temptation is our reality, it becomes a challenge. Because every step that I take and every step that you take draws me into the presence and draws you into the presence of limitless temptations. They never stop. We never are able to turn that thing all the way off. There's no moment in your life that is not a moment of temptation. We know that. Think of how many wrong things you have said at inopportune moments. Think of how many thoughts you've had that were incorrect at certain moments. Think of how many things that you did that were out of place. And those are just the things you acted on. There is a subset of things that are far greater than what you actually did that you thought about doing, right? Because every single step we take is a step into temptation. We're the presence of temptation. There's no moment in our lives when there's not temptation. And there's no moment in our lives where the possibility between choosing belief and unbelief is not a possibility. None. Temptation is going to test and has been testing your character. And thus Jesus encourages us to pray for God's enabling to stand the test. So here's, I'm going to give you six quick ways as to how God helps us resist temptations. Number one, you pray for God's help. That's what it says. Pray that God will not lead you into temptation. See, God wants to help us. I remember about, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, I was younger, stronger, and all that kind of stuff. I had a couch in the basement. It was relatively new to us that we wanted to move up into the main room in our house. You know, so I'm kind of a macho he-man back then. I thought, well, I can move it myself. You know, Teresa, you know, too short to help us much. Girls, too young to help me much. So I thought, well, I can't, I can do it myself. I can put the right blankets down there, pull it the right way, get up there. Of course, in the meantime, I didn't want any help, so I sent the girls out to play. Girls go out and play. And they're out playing. They ran across the street to one of my friend neighbor's house, Chris. And they said, what's your dad doing this morning? Chris said, my kid said, well, he's moving a couch upstairs by himself. <laughs> and so 15, 20 minutes, I struggled with that couch until I came to the reality. I don't believe I can move this couch upstairs by myself. I walked outside and I kind of looked around, you know, and then I saw Chris swinging on his porch swing. I walked over across the street and I said, hey, Chris, can you give me a hand for a minute? And he says, yeah, what's up? I said, I'm trying to move a couch from the basement to the uh, living room. He says, yeah, I've been sitting here 20 minutes waiting for you to come ask. (laughs) And therein is the character of God. He waits for us to come ask. He's ready. He's able. You know, because Chris and I, I mean, Chris is a lot bigger than me. He's a pick it up, walk. 15-second job. 
15-second job with the right help, literally. The Lord Jesus says, just ask. I'm ready to help. Pray, because God is not only willing and able, he shall. Pray that, that you resist your, your temptation. God has so, such control over temptations and the tempter that as you call upon his power, the temptation will flee. Number two, choose to do only what is right. Choose to do only what is right. I used to have a buddy a long time ago and played uh, free safety for the University of Colorado Buffaloes. And after his college football career, he became a, a, a trainee. He went into training at the Olympic Training Center to become a, a, an Olympic decathlete. His name, decathlete. His name is Pete Kowalczyk. Probably never heard of him because he was the alternate twice in the U.S. Olympic team in the decathlete. But Pete, as soon as he graduated college, he had his mind on becoming an Olympic athlete. He made choices. He's one of those guys that if you saw him, you'd walk up to him and say, So, Adonis, when was the last time you ate a French fry? And the answer would be the last day I was in college. I mean, that guy, everything that he put in his mouth was planned. Everything he did with his body was planned. So I remember one day we were working out Friday after work. We were working out at the gym, a bunch of us, you know, guys who were all young guys hanging out. And a bunch of the young guys were going over to... To, to happy hour at the bar, and they're like, come on, Pete, come on, come on, come on. Pete says, no, 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 and he didn't go. And, and the next morning, I saw him in the, in the same gym, and I, he was back there working out, and I, I don't know, I was probably sweeping the floor or something, I don't know, but I was in there, and I said, Pete, so did you go with those guys? He said, no. And I said, why not? And he said, I chose three years ago not to go with them yesterday. Well, that's great. He said, I know what my goal is. I'm not going to let whatever happens at the moment take away from what I want the most. See, he made his choice a long time ago. And of course, I've been telling that to students a long time. Never let that which interests you at the moment take away that which you want the most. Because what you want the most is pursuing God's will. And if you choose what's right, you choose it now. If you consciously choose to have Christ-like character now, knowing that there's lots of other choices coming, when the temptation comes, you can just say, no, I'm good. My feet are planted on the rock. I'm good. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy. From time to time, especially when you're young, you get to miss out on some stuff. But you can find other stuff that's even better, I think, to do. Number three, Run from anything you know that's wrong. Do I really have to extrapolate much on that? I mean, if it's wrong, go the other way. Number four, recognize the situations and the people that give you trouble. We have, uh, we're, we're, we're grateful to have a congregation that has its feet on the ground. And so we have a number of people that have walked through and passed some difficulties in their lives. We have a fellow here in our congregation, uh, among some others, that's a recovering alcoholic. You're never recovered as an alcoholic. You're always fighting that and pushing it back. He went through three months of treatment and then six months of really intense counseling. And he'd gotten to a place in his life where he was, you know, drinking free, Jesus at the core of his life. And after work one day, like it's the case of so many, uh, you know, he went, they went after work to, to the happy hour and he wasn't going to have any drinking because he says, you know, the hardest thing about this, he says, the drinking and the, and the, the personal disciplines, you can do that on your own. But then you, you've got all these people around you and you can't change all those. So he was trying to build his own discipline and he went to the bar with these guys that had seen him. Some of these guys had seen his life fall apart. They 
They'd seen him move in different places away from his family and all that kind of stuff. And they'd seen what it was doing to him. And when he pushed back against alcohol, you'd have thought if they were good friends, they'd be cheering him on. But that day, the first time he ever went, he, they, he, he, he said, well, he could see where it was going. He says, you know what, guys, I, I got to go. I got to go. And one of his friends said, hey, just one, man. Just have one. You know, giving one beer to, to an alcoholic, that's like throwing water on a drowning man, right? I mean, I mean you know, I mean, you know, you, you know what you're, you're doing. And, and so, you know, as a, when you're a person that's in the midst of temptation, you know where you've been. And you know where the shadows are. And you know where the difficulties are. So, so you have to recognize those people and those situations that are difficult for you. Let me go to the fifth thing. Then you have to seek thank, friends who love God and can offer you help when you're tempted. Same guy went to a wedding about a month later. Big reception, open bar, all that kind of stuff. Was with one of the other guys that he works with. And they walked up to the counter and the first guy said, I'll take two Diet Pepsis. Took one and handed one to the guy I'm talking about. He said to me, he says, you know, Pastor... I've never seen that guy drink a Pepsi in his life. But he was just saying, hey, I support you. I'll fight through this with you. You've got to have friends that are going to help you flee temptation. You've got to surround yourself with some people that are going to push you. I know that's why some of you come to church, but, but you have to do it for more than just accountability, saying, I'm here, I'm fighting the fight. Sometimes we have to share with, with each other. And, and we have to have authentic relationships that, that lift us up. And Vicki and Keith and I have been working for, for years, literally, and we'll, we'll continue to endeavor this, to have First United Methodist Church be a church where there's no whitewash, where who we are is what we are. What we struggle with is what we struggle with, and we have helpers along the journey. Because I tell you, and you've agreed with me, I heard you say amen. Temptation is all around us. It's where we live. It's the difficulty of our lives. So why would it be that we didn't help each other out? And and last, sixth, allow your temptation, which is all around you, the deep challenge of your life to become an opportunity to grow closer to God. Think of it that way. Think of your temptations, the deep challenges of your lives, as an opportunity to be led closer to God. See, God allows temptations to be around us. That means he allows that to happen in our lives. And the Lord's prayer, prayer, prayer is such that as we pray it, we know that the Lord does not take us in to temptation. So we can capitalize on those things that tempt us. We can capitalize on our temptation as an opportunity to refine our faith and grow our dependence on God. We can resist temptation to sin by turning our attention away from it and towards God's Word and incline ourselves towards doing God's way way by following what He teaches us. You see, the idea of God leading people is one of the core ideas of Holy Scripture. It is all the way throughout there. It's in most every book of the Bible. And let me share with you a couple. Because when we talk about temptations, I I hear words like Psalm 5 that say, lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make your way plain. Let me see it. Plain for me to follow. Or later in the Psalms, it says, teach me how to live. O Lord, lead me along the right path for my enemies, my temptations are waiting for me. Feel that way? I mean, some of your temptations aren't even waiting for the benediction here today. They're ready. They're primed. 
they're on the offense. So I encourage you this. Along with leading us to good things, it's understood that God leads us away from evil. And so, so that, friends, today is our teaching. No more, no less. Receive it as the reality it is. Understand the challenge and take the opportunity that temptation is because it's awaiting you. It's waiting for you right now. Let's pray. God, we ask your blessing on us that we might be those that resist and face temptation in such a way that it might become the opportunity to draw us closer to you, that our lives might be more faithful and fruitful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. These last uh, few weeks, we've had the opportunity in our worship services to share with you uh, some of the testimonies of our students and our adults that have been on mission trip, on camp. And I know for a fact that Riley Corner was at Summer Games Junior because I was there one night with her. So, Riley, can you come forward and share with us? Are you tall enough or do, I, do you want me to put this up? You're tall enough. Okay. My favorite thing about camp was the adventures. For example, I got to go cave exploring, and I got to try archery. It was really hard. This experience brought me closer to God because it helped me learn to trust God when I'm scared. Cave exploring was a bit scary, so I prayed a lot. I want to... Thank the church for their support in sending me to camp. It was great, and I made a lot of friends. I can't wait to go next year. Mm -hmm. Will the ushers please come forward?